All right, all right, all right. It is week two of the WannaBet podcast going into week two of the NFL season. David Schiff here along with the man, the myth, the legend, Miles V. Miles, how was your week, buddy? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. David, if we can take a vote here, I would like to forget everything that happened in week one when it comes to football. <laughs> uh, I think so, but the vote is tied because I said no, so <laughs> sorry. Look, the uh, the Thursday night Chiefs game, that was a shocker. The Monday night Jets game, that was a shocker. And pretty much everything in between those games was a full-on dumpster fire for me. It was an unbelievable week of football. So mind-boggling. It's almost like we don't even know where to start. There were so many crazy results and teams that you thought were going to come out of the gate. Really, gangbusters just folded up like a cheap suit. Then the whole Aaron Rodgers you know, situation, which honestly, say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. I... It's a bummer. It's deflating. It's bad for football. People were so hyped up about it. I don't want to see Zach Wilson against the Cowboys next week. I don't think Zach Wilson wants to see Zach Wilson against the Cowboys next week. Uh, You know, we wanted to see Aaron Rodgers, but man, and, and you know, you actually mentioned this a week or two ago that it just felt like things were changing in the NFL. And when you see um, you know, Kansas City come out of the gate on Thursday night and lose, that just set the table and Wow, so many crazy games. We got lots to talk about today. We're going to get into our results. We're going to recap our last week's bets. We got bets for season for week two coming up. A lot, a lot to get in here. Yeah, but I, I got, I got to tell you what a shitty week I had just generally when it came to everything football related. Tell and me, you want to talk about something funny though? I want to go back to a tweet that RJ had for us at the at the beginning of week three when we were making predictions in the preseason, he said, put me down for a Aaron Rodgers collapse and a Jets under on the season. Maybe this guy knew something that we didn't. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had a pretty complete collapse. Well, when you say collapse, <laughs> he collapsed to the ground in pain. This looks extraordinarily bad. The NFL is running this campaign of you can't make this stuff up with Keegan-Michael Key sitting around a writer's room. Yeah. I don't even think those writers could have written such a crazy script for what actually happened. Four plays in? It's 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 beyond belief. Yeah, but you're right that I think Thursday night, that game kind of set the tone for the week, uh, and especially for what a crappy week I had generally, not even getting into the picks. I mean, we talked about the fact that Travis Kelsey was my number one pick in fantasy, and Travis Kelsey was un- unable to go that night, so he didn't play, and it seemed like his wide receiving companions didn't play either. I mean, that receiving core did so poorly, the New York Giants were making fun of them. <laughs> I think that uh, Corey Haim did a better job in the movie Lucas. Yeah, I think I wrote somewhere that Kadarius Tony could not catch uh, a cold standing in the middle of the North Pole naked. Uh, that was just hard to watch. Uh, look, I'm not making any excuses, but I do want to tell you about my Sunday. Okay, I, I ordered the Red Zone way early in the week, so I wouldn't have any problems with the channel. And so I'm watching Fantasy Football Now ahead of the Red Zone just to kind of figure out my fantasy situation. 
I get news that uh, Mark Andrews is out and everyone on the show is hyping up Isaac Likely saying, this guy is going to be a top five tight end. You got to pick him up. You got to pick him up. I had Kelsey, so I needed a, a, another tight end. So I pick up Isaac Likely only for him to go one catch for four yards, losing my fantasy week. But that's not even the worst of it. Just at 12 o'clock, because that's the time zone I'm in, uh, when it's ready for football to kick off, I switch over to red zone and I get an error message on my television. No. <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't be more excited to watch football and I just get a, no, you may not. So then I switch over to Fox to see, well, can I catch the game? Error message. I flip over to CBS, error message. My whole television, Xfinity, went out on me and I couldn't watch television. So I'm on the phone, on hold, trying to fix this. And it's 45 minutes I'm waiting and I'm watching ESPN scoreboard on my computer just to kind of see what's going on, I couldn't take it anymore. I actually got up and drove to a bar <laughs> to watch all the games. I missed the first half of pretty much everything. Uh-huh. But that was really my Sunday in a nutshell. That kind of set the tone for the rest of the uh, the football weekend, I would imagine. Well, it's funny. You know, when I was in L.A. with you and you and I would go watch the games, the games in L.A., they start at 10 a.m. And people would show up with their computers. They'd set their fantasy lineups. They'd make bets with their bookies on their phones. That was the normal Sunday morning. In Chicago, games start at noon. People have been drinking since 8 in the morning. If not earlier. If not earlier, everyone's wearing a jersey. Nobody wants to watch any other game besides, you know, the NFC or whoever's in the NFC that the Bears are are up against. And, you know, I had a hard time trying to fight for them to to keep Red Zone on. Right. It was was not the ideal situation, but thankfully I went to a place called the Landmark. Great place, great food, great service. They took really good care of me. But, man, what a difference between – West Coast watching games and Chicago watching games. I'm going to have to really up my game. Well, that might change in a few weeks if the Bears keep playing how they played last week because they're one of the teams that came out and just shit the bed. Yeah. And speaking of shit the bed, can we go back to that diarrhea on a plane situation? I have a question or two about that. Can we revisit that at all or is that... Do we have some breaking news on that? We are following this story to the end, to the, to the bitter end, as it were. It, it may be my favorite story <laughs> of the year. I was told, I'm trying to confirm this, but I was told that the passenger was in fact a woman. Oh no. Yes. A woman did all that damage on the plane, which I can't even fathom. And by the way, when you say you're trying to confirm, do you have sources on the plane? What are you doing? I'm, I'm scouring the internet. I'm looking for more pictures. I want to know, you know, who her boyfriend is and whether he stayed with her or not. Really, the main question I have is, what did she order at Taco Bell so I don't ever get that? <laughs> I think it was a diet soda. <laughs> That's all it was. Anyway, uh, whatever happened to her is kind of how I felt about the week. Yeah, you know, it was crazy. And and we tweeted about this, but one of the big surprises for me was how awful a week it was for the AFC in particular. So we had talked about how the AFC had these three, you know, crown jewel teams, Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, you know, and and the Bengals. And not only did all three of those teams lose, but a lot of the other teams either lost um, or like the Chargers or won but lost significant players. Obviously, the Jets being, you know, number one, but then Baltimore losing 
uh, J.K. Dobbins for the season. Uh, the AFC goes 0-4 against the NFC. I just did not see that coming. I thought they were going to be a much stronger conference, and the NFC just smacked them around this week. It was it was really surprising. Yeah, and to add insult to injury, J.K. Dobbins was on my fantasy team with the Travis Kelsey, so I have more you know, tinkering that I'm going to have to do. But you're right. The, the teams that looked the strongest to me were Dallas – and the 49ers. No question. Those defenses were elite and it showed. And, you know, if in Dak played pretty well on the offensive side, so did Purdy. Those teams look really, really strong. And the other strong teams that we thought were strong, like, like Philadelphia, they managed to win, but they didn't dominate like I thought they would. They kind of kept, uh, mm-hmm. they kept them in it. Yeah. You can argue that the best weeks for AFC teams were played by the Dolphins, Jacksonville, and maybe even New England. You're right. They played Philadelphia pretty tough considering where they were supposed to you know, end up in that division. And I think one of the things you and I have to do now is we have to look at these first games and say, is this really how the team is going to be? Did they show their true colors or did they have an anomaly and they're going to you know, revert back to where we think they're going to be? So you know, teams that underperformed horribly, the Bengals, the Seahawks, the Giants, the Bears, and let's give some credit to teams that overperformed. The Browns, the Rams, who I absolutely bashed, came out and punched Seattle in the mouth, and Stafford looked pretty good. Tampa Bay, nice win on the road. Packers, Jordan Love looked good. So we now have to kind of evaluate the tape, the stats, where we think those teams were going to end up, and we get some information, which is helpful, but it's almost you know more confusing than ever now, trying to figure out which direction some of these teams are going to trend. Yeah, it was uh, overreaction Monday, is is what I was told it was, and everyone's just you know reacting to that information, and I just don't know whether it's uh, time to say declare the season over for some of these teams, or time to say this was just a, a blip and they'll get over it. I think last year the Bengals lost their first two games before they got things going. So it's not out of the question, but the stats for teams that lose their first two or three games and still make the playoffs, it's it's a very low percentage. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to dig a hole for yourself like that and come back uh, and get back into the playoff picture. But it's only week one. There is time. Why don't we turn back and take a look at the week one bets because we will be crowning a winner. As you know, on the Wanna Bet podcast, Miles and I bet $1,000 every week. We have to make at least three bets. Each bet has to be at least $100. And we are going to track the results all season. And the winner will be going to an NFL playoff game, courtesy of the loser. So we got a lot to play for. And there were a lot of results to go over this last week. Miles, why don't you go first? I am going to go first and consistent with how I did in fantasy and how I did with uh, fighting the cable company. I got blanked this week. I went 0-3. I did not pick a single game. It was the most humiliating and horrible feeling. Sunday, I was just a, a shell of myself, depressed as all hell. Thankfully, I decided to chase and bet on the Dallas Cowboys, and so there's a little consolation at the end, but... I lost my ass. Yeah. Uh, If you recall, my big bet was the Seahawks over the Rams, and that was just a huge misjudgment by me. Okay? The the Rams were quietly confident all week. Uh, 
I didn't believe in the hype, but the coaches, the team, they're saying, watch out for us. You know, we're going to be good, you know, and, and they came out and they handed the Seahawks uh, a huge loss. The Seahawks were a no show at their own stadium. You know, the, the Rams have these no-name players that everyone's scurrying to pick up, all these skill players. And, you know, as stated by the wolf in Pulp Fiction. Well, let's not start sucking each other's dicks quite yet. So I I just don't know what to think about Seattle. This is, like you said, one of those teams where is this who they really are? I'm hoping that's not the case because I have a lot of uh, other futures bets tied up in Seattle, and I projected that they'd win more than eight and a half games. I think they were going to be a playoff team, and the way they looked against the Rams, they need to kind of reboot because that was just plain ugly. Yeah. The uh, next game that I picked, I don't think uh, I had a bad read on this game, but that was the Commanders over Arizona. And if you watch that game, Arizona did not score an offensive touchdown. You know, Sam Howell gave up some fluke fumble that resulted in a defensive score when he was back in his own red zone. And that's seven points right there that should have never been scored. And the commanders who won the game should have covered. So I don't know if I was that off. It's just that was a, a fluke play and, and one that uh, unfortunately hurt me in the betting department. And so that was your second game. You had bet 330 to win 300. What was your last last bet? My last game was Minnesota over Tampa Bay. And I I don't know if I misread this game entirely or if this was, again, one of those anomalies. Who is Minnesota? Uh, I didn't get to see a lot of the first half because of my cable issues, but Kirk Cousins apparently fumbled twice. And I did see the Vikings line up in the neutral zone on a field goal attempt. So instead of resulting in a three-point play, it resulted in a first down and ultimately seven points just a few plays later. So those four points are the difference in the 20-17 to 17 game. Minnesota could have actually won. And then I read this morning that Baker Mayfield somehow knew what Minnesota defense was calling. I don't know if you saw these tweets. but Oh, no, I didn't see that. What, what, what were the tells? He, just, he, knew, the, he knew the signals? Yeah, he somehow knew the signals. I'm not sure how it was disclosed to him, but he apparently said something in the locker room at halftime. And, I mean, if he did know the signals, I don't know why Tampa Bay didn't score a lot more points. Oh, ouch. But nevertheless, um, Tampa Bay got a win that that a lot of people didn't think they were going to get. Yeah, well... Tough week for you. You took the silver sombrero, and I can honestly say I feel your pain because this is exactly what I did last season. Uh, as you reminded me, not only did I miss three bets at the first week last season, I missed four bets. Uh, and it was the same feeling where you're so excited for the season and it just all goes to shit. And you're sitting there with zero money in your bank saying, how did this happen? How did I get it so wrong? And guess what? you're going to come back because you're good at this and you're savvy and you know how to analyze the data and make good bets. And it's just week one. Two more points of clarification. Colin Coward in his blazing five went 0 and five. So even he did worse than you last year. So we got that going for us, which is nice. I feel so much better. <laughs> but uh, insult to injury. I'm in Illinois where betting is legal and I tailed my own pick. So I did lose. I, I lost money on everything. So it was not pretty to, to go over 
is just a, a, a shock to the wallet. It sure is. Now we had some uh, some listeners and some uh, some followers who made some bets. You wanna you wanna recap that for us? Yeah. So RJ, he actually was a winner. He had the Titans. He had the Packers. So he uh, made eleven forty eight on his bank. We had Bill Kuklanis. He had the Titans also. He also had the Browns, fourteen seventy for him. Donnie Wheels, unfortunately, tailed a lot of my stuff, but he managed to tail you and pick Atlanta. So he got $567 coming his way. Dave Siegel had a really good week. He had the Browns. He had the Ravens. He had the Bears over. So a $1470 for him as well. And then we had a new player, Dave Barons, who did not allocate amounts, but he had a perfect week, and he went 4-0. Way to go, Dave Barons. He picked Miami. He picked Jacksonville. He picked the Jets. How did he pick the Jets? And he even picked the Las Vegas Raiders. So Dave Barons, beginner out of the box, love to see you in the lead. Well, if he had given us some money amounts, we might know how much money we're trailing in following Dave. So hopefully moving forward, he will give us a little bit more information. But that is some savvy picking right there. Yeah. And look, I don't know what your ultimate amount was. You can talk to us. I'm assuming that you did better than the 0-3 that I did. I did. Uh, You mentioned the uh, Atlanta game. Uh, I did a little bit better than that. Yeah. So my big bet of the week was Atlanta minus three and a half at home against Carolina. Uh, Look, I was picking a new quarterback, Bryce Young, who hadn't been great in preseason. He's playing his first NFL game on the road. And, you know, it's nice to get the bet right. And it's nice to get the analysis right. He threw two interceptions. He averaged less than four yards of completion. Uh, And the Panthers, they only scored three points in the second half. So that bet did come through. Now, if you told me that the Falcons are going to win this bet with Kyle Pitts and Drake London having four targets and two catches between them, I would have told you that's probably not what was going to happen, but that is what happened. And we're going to talk more about the Falcons later on, but more importantly, they covered, uh, I put 840 back into my bank. So that was a nice start. Um, and you mentioned this game. I was also on the Arizona Washington game. I had the under, I bet 330 to win 300. The under was 38 and I sweated my way to victory. The final score was 20 to 16. And again, I am going to give myself a little bit of credit here because I said that I didn't think that the Arizona you know, offense was going to score more than 10 points with Josh Dobbs, and the offense scored nine points. No. Well, yeah, the offense scored nine, but zero touchdowns. You're right. Yeah. So as you mentioned, and, and you talked about the defensive touchdown that they had, I was cruising along in the first half of this game, but in the last 55 seconds of the first half, Arizona defense scores a touchdown, and then Washington actually kicked a last-second field goal at the end of the first half. So really low-scoring first half until the last 55 seconds, and then 10 points go on the board. And, of course, uh, that makes the second half a total sweat, but only 13 points went up on the second half. So I put another 630 back into my bank there. Now, my only bit of a bummer last week was I had the Steelers on the money line to beat the 49ers at home. I was not alone. A lot of people were on the Steelers this week, and they were just one of the teams where you thought, is this the team that I was expecting to see? What happened to the Pickett and the Pickens and the Steelers from preseason? And again, it's preseason, I guess. But boy, they really, really disappointed. 
Uh, they were at plus 115. So that bet was was plus was 230 to win 253. And I guess the only bummer for me for the weekend is all three of my games were the early games on Sunday, and I happened to be watching most of that game. So even though my other two games were coming in, I was sitting there watching the Steelers just just look horrible. And look, let's give the 49ers credit. They looked really good, and that, that defense, wow, is fantastic. You know, the Steelers, not sure what happened to them, like Seattle, like the Giants, like Minnesota. We have to decide are the Steelers just really not as good, particularly on offense as we thought they are, or are they going to turn around, you know, after a bad week one? I'm not sure. The only thing I know is I did not sweep, but I do go two for three. I turn my thousand into 1470. That's a good start for me. I will definitely, definitely take it. Really good start for you. And I agree with you on the, the Steelers. I actually was looking at them this week, thinking about betting them. Uh, I did hear that Deontay Johnson is injured and is not going to be playing, and so I'm a little bit skeptical, just not knowing enough about that offense. But I'm hoping that Pittsburgh uh, is another bounce-back story because uh, you know we both picked them in the beginning of the year to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And uh, actually for a minute, I because I have Pickens on my fantasy team, I was going to bench Pickens because he only had like four targets. Uh, but with Deontay Johnson not in next week, I think I'm going to leave him in the lineup and hopefully he'll be a little bit more prominent yeah. uh, and visible. But yeah, tough, tough week for the Steelers. So that's our recap of week one. David wins the week with 1470. Nice. Uh, Miles takes the silver sombrero, as we said. Now, when we come back in just a minute, we are going to turn our attention to week two. We'll be making our bets on the Wanna Bet podcast. All right, here we go. Miles, let's wipe, wipe the sleet clean. Take a deep breath. Turn your attention ahead to these new games. You've got a new $1,000 in your wallet. Yeah. Let's talk about where we're putting our money. Let's talk about that it has taken me several days to just get over week one and focus on week two. And and my confidence level was low, but everyone has these bounce back, uh, you know, betting situations. A lot of people, their bets didn't come in, so... Uh, I looked long and hard at the schedule. I didn't see a ton that I loved, but here's one that I did. And it is a rule one alert. I am going against my own rule. I am taking Kansas City minus three over Jackson. What? I know. Right out of the gate, you're breaking rule number one in week two. I, I, I looked at week number one, and there were so many home dogs that didn't cover. And there were so many instances where the better team, the road favorite ended up winning like San Francisco, like Jacksonville, like Philadelphia, like Dallas. And I just thought I I can't institute that rule yet. There were only a couple of home dogs that did cover. I think um, the, the Jets outright won, and that was a weird one. And then the Browns outright outright won. So um, I'm going with Kansas City, and here's why. Kansas City has had 10 days to think about their behavior, which hopefully includes 10 days for Travis Kelsey to heal his knee. And I would be super surprised if Kansas City and Andy Reid lost two games in a row to start the season. 
This is just not what the Super Bowl favorite and past Super Bowl champion is used to seeing. So even though I am violating rule one by betting against the home dog, and by the way, Jacksonville is a good team, so it's not like I'm betting you know, against a really poor team. I just think that Kansas City not losing its first two games has to take the precedence here. So I'm actually betting a huge amount on this occurrence. I'm betting 660 to win 600. Holy are you crikeys? Why you are going to be like a lunatic watching that game? Yeah, I am doubling, really doubling down on this. This <laughs> now it's almost tripling down. Look, Kadarius Tony better have gotten his shit together. Okay. Oh god, that poor guy. <laughs> I, I think all those players from Detroit that got suspended for betting on games were pointing at Kadarius, saying, "Look, he's betting on them too. He's betting on the other team." <laughs> yeah, he's betting on the under for his number of catches. That's for damn sure. Well, C.J. Stroud, who had a pass deflected back to himself, had the same number of receptions as about half of the Chiefs' receivers. I don't know. I'm just thinking this is going to be the bounce-back week for the Chiefs. They're going to show us who they really are. They're going to show us why everyone has them predicted to go to the Super Bowl again. Really, it's not a lot of analysis on Jacksonville. I just think they're running into a tough spot. So if this game comes in for you, you will have a winning week. True. Put it out there, right there, right there. And on the opposite side, if it doesn't come in, I will have a losing week. So this is, uh, I'm really putting a lot of eggs in this basket. All right. Well, Miles has laid down his first bet. I also found this a tough week. I I agree with you. A lot of, you know, a lot of teams I liked to win were road favorites which makes me nervous. I like the Giants to beat Arizona. I like the 49ers to beat the Rams. I like the Dolphins to beat New England. I like the Saints to beat Carolina. I like the Chiefs. Uh, So I considered all those bets. Um, Now, I also ended up on the Chiefs-Jacksonville game, but I did not go with the spread. I am going to go with the over on this. The over is 51, uh, and I am betting 330 to win 300 on this game. So it's in Jacksonville, Chiefs are the road favorites. And yes, I am taking the over on the Chiefs. Mm. Let's recap what they did last week. Sky Moore, absolute missing persons report filed on that guy. Fantasy owners were sobbing themselves to sleep because he just was not part of the offense at all. Zero catches on three targets. Kadarius Tony, as you mentioned, was just awful. The fact that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a pick six against him on his record for that pass that he threw right in the hands on the shoulder of Kadarius Tony, who just tipped it right to the defender, uh, is just criminal. It's it's really unfortunate. And by the way, speaking of Mahomes, Mahomes led the Chiefs last week in rushing with 45 yards. That's double what both Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had. So this offense was just bad last week. And so why do I like them? Because as you said, they're the defending Super Bowl champions. And this is an offensive-minded team. They are going to make a comeback. Everything is pointing to them having Travis Kelsey back. He's Mahomes' security blanket. He's the best tight end in the league. He is going to completely change the energy just by being on the field. So I think the Chiefs' offense is going to be night and day different than how they played last week against Detroit. And let's take a look at Jacksonville. Again, I'm on the over, so I'm on points, points, points. Jacksonville, they're a good team. Good offense, mediocre defense. 
They were 10th last year in offense and 24th in defense, 28th against the pass. So yeah, they've been on an upward trend, but they still give up a lot of points. And I think that's going to work in my favor. Calvin Ridley, huge debut for them last week. Travis Lawrence had a good game. They have ATN. They have uh, Zay Jones, Christian Turk, Evan Ingram. They've got a lot, a lot of weapons. So I think Kansas City wins this game in bounce back fashion, but I'm not so concerned about that. I just want points on the board. I'm not going to be actually shocked if Jacksonville does win because they are good, but I will be shocked if these two teams don't score a lot of points. So 330 to win 300 in that game for me. Yeah, I like your analysis. It it helps solidify why I'm taking Kansas City. I do think there are points to be scored here, and I'm hoping that Kansas City you know, flexes their muscle and, uh, and puts it out of range. So that's bet number one for us. What are you looking at for your next bet? My next bet is the Packers Falcons over, which is right now at 40 points and I'm taking the over and that's 220 to win 200. So last week, the Packers scored 38 points while missing their best receiver, Christian Watson. I know it was against the bears, but still that's a decent amount of points. And the Falcons last week, they scored 24 points with just 115 yards passing and Drake London being completely ignored. I don't see that happening two weeks in a row. Yes, the Falcons are primarily a running-based team, and that means the clock will be running, and it's harder to break overs when the over-under. But 40 points means that each team needs to score 21 or so, and I think that's quite doable with the state of these offenses. I don't think Atlanta's going to ignore their passing game. I think they're going to be throwing the ball. I think that the Packers might get Christian Watson back. And, you know, if you're looking at defenses, the Bears put up 20 points against the Green Bay defense. And I think the Falcons are much better than the Bears. So uh, like you in the KC-Jacksonville game, I'm going points, points, points. I only have to hit a 40 threshold. And I'm taking the over. Yeah, this is an interesting game because the way I look at it, it's a tale of two quarterbacks. Jordan Love really came out and silenced a lot of doubters. Three touchdowns against the Bears. He looked really good. I don't know how good the Bears are, but you know, people had question marks about him. Whereas Ritter really looked like he was on a tight leash with Atlanta. And I think that surprised a lot of people. He only threw 18 passes. Tyler Algiers had more carries than Bijan Robinson. Uh, They did not spread the ball around to London and Kyle Pitts, like people said, and yet they won. So if that's going to be their MO going forward, they might just be much more of a slow it down, grind it, trade off between their running backs, throw a little short pass when they have to. For me, I stayed away from this because I'm not sure what Atlanta offense is going to come out on that field. So trusting them to score a lot of points makes me a little nervous, but if Green Bay picks up the slack, you should be okay. That's what I'm hoping. I don't care who does the scoring as long as there's a lot of it. And I couldn't pick a side on this one either. This one is really close. And again, I think you just don't know which team's going to show up, but I'm hoping that that they address the issue, which is we're not spreading the ball to our skill players and they need to get it in the, on the action for us to be a successful team. Well, fantasy owners certainly agree with you particularly Drake London ones. All right, so that's Miles' second bet. What was your what was the amount on that, did you say? That was 220 to win 200. 220 to win 200. All right, so let's look at my big bet of the week, and that is Cincinnati-Baltimore. And again, I talked about that I didn't like a lot of spreads, so when you don't like a lot of spreads, you look hard at the over-unders, 
And I am on the under on this game. So I have Cincinnati, Baltimore under 46 and a half. That line has fluctuated a little bit, actually went down to 46. Now it's back to 46 and a half. Um, first of all, let's take one step back to week one. 12 out of the 16 games hit the under. So not unsurprising that offenses are taking a little bit of time to get going. I think that's what's going to happen in this game. And I want to take advantage of offenses still figuring it out. And I think the Bengals are in that category. They scored three points last week in Cleveland. I think they were surprised by Cleveland. They got manhandled by, by the Browns defense. Joe Burrow had 82 yards passing. Um, is he still nursing the calf injury? I, I don't know. Um, you know, T. Higgins was targeted eight times. He had zero catches. The offense was a mess. And look, don't get me wrong. I think this is going to be a good team. You know, I picked this team to win the Super Bowl, and I think they're going to fix things. But I don't think they're going to fix everything in one week. I think it's going to take some time to kind of get back up to speed. And I don't see them suddenly blowing it out of the water and scoring 35 to 40 points. On the other side of the ball, Baltimore beat Houston 25 to 9. Look, I know it's the Texans. CJ Stroud was starting his first game. They sacked him five times. But still, they gave up nine points. This is clearly a good defense. They scored 25 points. The offense only managed 265 yards. Lamar Jackson had two turnovers. He was sacked four times. And then they lost J.K. Dobbins for the year. So that puts more pressure on Justice Hill, some of the other running backs. They don't have one of the, you know, the key components. I'm looking at this as just a classic AFC North, pounded out, grinded into the ground, two offenses that are not in high gear yet. Um, they should have two decent defenses. I'm hoping the Cleveland, uh, the Cincinnati defense plays better than they did last week against Cleveland. I'm betting 440 to win 400. I think Cincinnati wins this game 24-17. Wow. So I actually was thinking again, maybe I should take Cincinnati for a bounce back week. And I do like Cincinnati like you do to, to go to the Super Bowl. Here's the thing, and I noticed this about a couple of players. The players that did not play during preseason, like a like a Burroughs, like an Aaron Rodgers, look what happens. You know, you don't look you don't look sharp or something. You know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was a I don't know if you call it a fluke. People are blaming the field. I just think he's old. But not having those uh, initial games of practice and taking those snaps. I think affected Burroughs in the first week. Yeah, although I, I would make the point that we commented on the fact that Pickett and Pickens on the Steelers played all three games, all three preseason games, looked sharp, and we were looking at that as a reason to say this team is going to come out of the gate looking really good, and that didn't happen. So it, it does cut both ways a little bit, but I think in general, most players who don't play preseason need a game or two to get up to speed because you can't replicate it in practice. You can't replicate it in inter-team practices. It's just not the same. So that'll be the question here. How many games is it going to take for Cincinnati before they get it going? And 46 and a half points is kind of a lot. This is a divisional game, and so those games are usually played really tight. Uh, Baltimore's always had great defense. I picked the Cincinnati Bengals defense for my fantasy league, and I still don't know whether that's a good pick or not, but... I think it's an interesting bet that you made, um, and hopefully for you, uh, you know it'll come in, and that the defenses will keep the offenses in check. 
I will just be praying for low scores, fumble, bad weather, whatever it is. Keep that score down. That's the fact, Jack! Well, my last bet, and I don't have a lot of money left because I went so big on KC, is Tampa Bay minus two and a half over the Bears. So I know it's weird. I just bet against Tampa Bay last week, saying I don't think Tampa Bay is a good team. Uh, And the truth is, I'm not sure that I feel that differently this week. I'm not sure they're a good team. But there are a couple of new factors. Number one, they're now playing at home. Although based on last week, I don't know that home field advantage is an advantage. I think it was like 10 road teams won last week or something like that. Yeah, crazy. Uh, But number two, they're playing the Bears, and the Bears are a mess. You know, new acquisitions in DJ Moore and Chase Claypool, they were both complete non-factors in the game last week. Not only that, did you see the compilation of Chase Claypool's sort of waving at blockers and indifference and how much he got called out for how poorly he played? That was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're saying he quit on the team. So that's that's just bold. So, and, and again, I, I'm at a bar watching all these drunk Chicago fans in their jerseys, you know, yelling at the screen and, and being really obnoxiously loud. There was a lot of optimism about the Bears season this year. And more than anything, they didn't want to be owned by the Packers. And that's exactly what happened week one. That's, that's the game that they gear up for. So if... That's the game last week that the Bears are excited to play, and that's what they show. I just don't think they're going to be anything this year, and I think it's going to be another rebuilding year. There's something wrong with this franchise, whether it's personnel, whether it's coaching, whether it's ownership. I don't know. It's going to be a long year for Bears fans, so I'm taking Tampa Bay at home. The spread is only two and a half. And I think right now, just about anyone can beat the Bears. Yeah, last week, Jordan Love for the Packers silenced a lot of doubters. And Justin Fields of the Bears silenced zero doubters. He did not look great in that game. And I think you're right. Uh, they're going to have to figure things out. It's always hard to put your faith into Baker Mayfield. But he wasn't horrible. And look, if he knows what defenses the Bears are going to play, he'll probably give him a little bit of advantage next week, too. Yeah, well, and I'm only doing $120 to win 104. This is a minus 115, so the odds makers do think that uh, the minus 2.5 does favor Tampa Bay. But I still didn't want to put as much on this one. Who knows? The Bears could show up, and, and Baker Mayfield could go back to doing Baker Mayfield stuff. But I think he tends to have some success early on before he gets you know, completely obliterated. So we'll see. Well, you you might have caught him at the right moment playing a, a lesser team that's still finding itself. All right, so those are Miles' three bets for the week. And I've got one more to place. And that is, well, hold on one second just to lead it up. I, I mentioned all of the road favorites that I was staying away from. And I managed to talk myself out of all... But one, I can't believe I'm saying this. I am betting on the LA Chargers on the road, minus three at at Tennessee, my last 230 to win 219. Here's your homer coming right out. Now, this is not a homer bet. Um, I swear to God. Now, first of all, they're at at minus 105, not 110. So I get a little bit more for my money. I get 219 back instead of 209. Last week, they lost in typical Charger fashion. 
bad penalties, bad defense, bad coaching, all the typical stuff. I will say that JC Jackson, the cornerback for the car for the chargers pretty much lost the game for them. I, I hate to say it, but he had like the worst pass interference penalty in the history of the NFL at the end of the first half. Miami throws up almost like a hail Mary. He just pushes over the Miami receiver. So that moves the ball up. Miami kicks a last second field goal at the end of the first half. That's kind of the difference right there. He also had an interception, which he ran out of the end zone, got tackled at the four. The Chargers don't get a first down. They have a bad punt to Miami in Charger territory, and Miami scores again. So, you know, a couple plays here and there. Um, Look, the Chargers got torched by Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, no doubt about it. Guess what? Tennessee doesn't have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. They've got Ryan Tannehill, and they've got DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry. And look, I know you're saying, hey, DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry, those guys are elite players. I'm going to say they used to be elite players. I mean, you know, Hopkins had 65 yards receiving. Henry had 63 yards rushing. Tennessee, you know, Tannehill had three interceptions, 181 yards passing. The Chargers, I believe, and I'm trying to divorce myself from my whipped, beaten, charger-rooting tendencies, they're a better team than Tennessee. And I think they're going to go in and manhandle them on defense. They're going to put up points. I am a little bit nervous. By the way, there's a chance that Tannehill doesn't even start, that it could be Will Levis. That's how bad Tannehill was. I think Tannehill's going to start, but Will Levis is right there looking over his shoulder. I'm nervous about the Austin Eckler injury. He's questionable with an ankle injury, but they've got a capable backup in Josh Kelly. Um, that's my pick. I'm standing by it. Chargers minus three on the road. I'm breaking rule number one. We'll discuss next week. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm feeling the uh, the broke back mountain vibe here, and the I, I wish I could quit you uh, saying <laughs> I, you are just always going to love the Chargers no matter what. But in this, oh, this is a complete analytical. Doesn't matter who the team is. It has nothing to do with where I grew up. I swear to God. Yeah, well, in this spot, it's another one of those situations we were talking about earlier. Which is the team that's going to show up? Is it the real? Will the real Chargers please stand up, um, or are they going to be the typical Chargers charging where they keep losing games that they shouldn't lose? I think they probably do have a bounce back week. They were totally should have won last week. They were in it all the way. A couple of boneheaded mistakes. They can't go 0-2 to start the season. That would be really poor. So I do think they win, and three points is not a lot to cover. So Yeah, and look, they can go 0-2. They have a typically you know, started poorly for several seasons in a row. It's one of their worst traits about them, but they are a better team than Tennessee. Tennessee is coming off of a loss to New Orleans. They're not a good team. Chargers will win this game. Okay, well, look. Uh, I'd like to see RJ and Bill Kuklanis and Donnie Wheels and Dave Siegel and Dave Barons. I want to know what you guys want. I want to know what the rest of our listeners want to hear. If you go to Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, at Wannabet Podcast and tell us what you think. Uh, we have a new listener in Dan Hopkins, who I know likes to play these types of games. If you want to go ahead and tweet us who you like, We'll mention you on the pod. We'll discuss how your teams did, and you can get in the mix and see if you can beat us. Dave had a really good week one. I think we're both poised to have good week twos, but I'm uh, interested in seeing what you guys think. Let's do a quick recap of our bets, and we'll get on out of here for the week. Miles, who you got? I have a huge $660 bet on Kansas City to beat Jacksonville, violating my own rules about picking against the home dogs. 
I then follow that up with an over-under, taking the Packers-Falcons over 40 points. And I follow it up with a pure bet against the Chicago Bears. That's Tampa Bay minus two and a half. All right. And my big bet of the week is I am on the Cincinnati-Baltimore under 46 and a half. I have bet 440 to win 400. I'm also on the Kansas City-Jacksonville game, but I am looking at the over on this one. I think a lot of points will come in, and I am betting that the game score will be over 51. And my final bet, which is definitely not a homer bet, not at all, is I have the Chargers on the road, minus three over Tennessee, a little bit more for my money, 230 to win 219. Bullshit. Bullshit. (laughs) Um, And which one of us... Had the silver sombrero last week. This might be my only time to gloat, so give it to me. (laughs) You no longer can refer to me as the man, the myth, and the legend, that's for sure. Uh, Exactly. Um, All right. That is the Wanna Bet podcast for week two. Let's get on out of here. Have a great week, everybody. Follow along. Miles? Love your body, Larry. Absolutely. Peace out, everybody. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid.